Welcome to McCann on Sports. I am your host, Abe McCann, and we are coming at you on set here in our beautiful recording studios at McCann's Ale House and Cigar Bar. Thank you for all of those who tuned in to listen to our inaugural episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found it to be informative as well as entertaining. And for those of you that didn't, uh, my name is Abe McCann, and this sports show is not going to be your cookie-cutter ESPN highlight reel fluff material, BS type of sports show. Now, we're going to talk about all the different things that go on in sports. We'll talk about stats, standings, highlights, all of that. But we're going to talk about social issues as well. We'll talk about the history of sports. And we're going to talk about the human element in sports. Why is it so culturally significant to you know in America and around the world? And why do we cheer the way we do? Why do we like the athletes we like? And really kind of figure out what it is deep down in our heart and our subconscious that makes us all such rabid sports fans. And we'll do so, you know, in an open kind of manner. Um, I really do encourage anyone who listens to the show to provide your feedback. Let me know what you guys want to talk about. Let me know if you think I'm full of shit. You know, whatever. Let's get this conversation moving. Let's keep it moving. And hopefully let's build a good program here that, you know, everybody can enjoy. It's been a busy week um, this past week in sports, so I just want to get right to it. There's a lot to talk about, all kinds of stuff going on, whether you want to talk about Urban Meyer and that whole situation over there at Ohio State. We've had some crazy things going on in the world of boxing. Football's back, right? I mean, everybody loves football. Thank God summer's over, you know. What's going on in baseball? And, um, you know, the UFC's got some major announcements too. So let's just get right into it. First, I want to go ahead and... um, Thank uh, my sponsors real quick, though. Um, everybody at the Fallen 360 Media Company, thanks for providing me an outlet to, to put this little show out on the on the airwaves. Uh, thank you to the guys over at Sushi Sonora. Um, if you haven't been there, if you're in Arizona and you happen to stop at the airport or just feel like getting a really late-night drunken sushi kind of whatever that's the place to go i can't even describe the meal it's this weird mexican asian fusion that shouldn't exist in this world but for some reason it just works so go stop by the airport location right there off of 32nd street in the loop 202 in phoenix and when you do tell them the boys that fall in 60 cents okay or just tell them you know abe and they'll man i'll probably even be there so hope to see you soon and um, my last sponsor, just wanted to thank you to Rowdy Rod. We did an event with you. If you haven't been to Rowdy Rod's up in Lake Havasu City, look him up. He does uh, all kinds of wonderful things up there with uh, petting zoos. And if you need to rent an animal for any type of uh, social gathering, filming, something like that, that's your uh, that's your guy up there. If you just want to rent a couple donkeys so you don't have to walk to the bottom of the Grand Canyon when you're visiting Arizona, go hit up Rowdy Rod. All right, so let's get to a Buckeye fan. This one is gonna hurt, so just don't even wanna, don't even wanna lie to you. Wanna let you know right up, right away. Um, the Buckeye Nation is under attack. Your your chosen one there, apparently has been a little um, untruthful, maybe involved in a cover up. You might say he uh, recently has been brought under fire for whether or not he knew that one of his assistant coaches, uh, Mr. Zach Smith, was actually you know 
involved in some domestic violence. You know, that people want to know, what did Urban Meyer know about it? Did he help cover it up? I mean, it's a pretty strange story. I can't make this up. It's got all the makings of a of a Hallmark, you know, Lifetime, We Network type movie here. You have a the poor wife here, you know, she, back in 2008, 2009 time, she calls the police because she was pregnant and her husband, Zach Smith, had beat her. And so she reported him. She brought the incident to light. You know, apparently it was she notified the coaching staff. She notified the school like, hey, this is going on. And it even, you know, Urban Meyer has even admitted to being involved to the extent where he and his wife kind of took the Smiths under their wings and, and started to counsel them and mentor them. Um, Urban Meyer has always been a big proponent of women's rights. He's always spoken out against domestic violence of any kind and let the media and the rest of the sports world know that his zero-tolerance policy for this, you know. So it's kind of odd that, that, that we have this situation here. And then to top it off, uh, Mr. Zach Smith has come out in the media and made some absolutely 100% false statements, denying that any of this domestic violence has happened, to which his um, wife has since then published text messages in the media where Mr. Smith absolutely 100% acknowledges that he, in fact, put his hands on his wife and beat her. He's even said, gone so far as to say that, you know, he didn't do this and that, you know, him and Urban had a discussion about it and that Coach Meyer told him, hey, if I find out you're, you really did this, I'll fire you. But apparently that was untrue as well because all the different uh, testimonies and reports pretty much point to the fact that Urban Meyer knew about it. You know, which calls into question now, as Coach Urban Meyer, what was your responsibility? What responsibility did you have to the program? What responsibility did you have to this young lady who's suffering this abuse? And Urban has always maintained that he he uh, reported it properly to the school, that he followed all procedures and guidelines. But, you know, he kind of got caught in a lie himself because at Big Ten Media Day, he denied knowing anything about it. You know, it later came out that he admitted to lying and said that he did so just to, you know, not to get involved or, or create a worse situation and to also protect the privacy of the of the Smiths as well as any of the other people that were involved in it. Um, you know, and it, to which it's had, you know, he's been placed on administrative leave. There's a lot of discussion in the media, you know, is he going to get fired now? And if he is going to get fired, why can you, how can you fire him, you know? And then, of course, you have, all the rabid Buckeye fans who, you know, strictly from a, a sports perspective now are very worried about their season. You know, they've come under fire themselves and it's brought a lot of negative attention to the university and the university is now faced with a situation where they have to answer questions about what is their priority? Is their priority as an educational institution educating and developing these athletes and to become good citizens and to become stronger people in the community? Are they trying to represent themselves as an educational institution that is based upon values? Or are they just a big football machine? What is more important to the university right now? Is it wins and losses and bowls, bowl appearances? you know, or, or are they going to take the moral high ground, so to speak, and Put go all in with their chips on the on the what is what is right and what is wrong and standing up for the rights of women and you know denouncing domestic violence, and on the surface you know this is not a very 
simple conversation to have. There's so many layers to this incident, to this whole situation. You know, you, you can talk to your people who will condemn football and say, you know, that sports should never be the priority, that that's an academic institution. It's your education that's important. And then you have these people that are saying, you know, hey, look, you have to raise good young men. If you're going to be this coach, this mentor, you have to run your program in a way that promotes you know, ethics and honesty and integrity. You need to raise young men that will leave and go into the community and be strong men that won't condone domestic violence. It would not hurt a woman or uh, someone weaker than them. And when people start to defend the program, you know, they get hit with all these, you know, these different accusations. Oh, it's just sports. It doesn't matter, right? But in reality, what is that sports program doing for the institution? The revenue that's generated by the football program, you know, just NCAA football in general, TV contracts, you know, attendance, merchandise, the different rewards that they get for playing in these bowl games. This is all generating money that goes back to this learning institution that provides for study grants and scholarships. And maybe that new wing on the library was built because Ohio State's been to like 15 bowl games in a row and they've always had winning seasons. So there's a lot at stake here, not just the future of the football program and specifically not just the future of Urban Meyer or this young man, Zach Smith, who enjoys beating women and lying about it. You know, you're dealing with all these these layers of issue, you know, and at the bottom of it, the sad part is, is that Mrs. Smith is being completely, she's being victimized. She was already victimized once by having to live with this wife beater and endure this abuse. But if Urban Meyer and anybody at the institution helped cover this up, now she's been victimized a second time. And then the third time she's being victimized is now that this is coming to light and things are being brought to light. You know, she's having to defend her credibility herself. She's being accused of lying. She's having to go in the public record and not only defend herself, but reveal very intimate details of a time in her life that was very hard for her, that was very difficult for her to get through. And so you have all these different factors. What do you do? How do you balance it? What is the best outcome? You know, in my mind, I, I hope that Miss Smith finds the justice that she's sought for these many years. And I hope in the end that anybody that may have perpetuated these crimes, covered up these crimes, or in any way, shape, or form prevented Mrs. Smith from getting the help and the resolution that she needs, I hope they all get fired. You know, football be damned. And it's easy for me to say because that's not my institution and that's not my my assistant coach. And I didn't I don't know what his contract says. So I don't know what the the legal ramifications are, you know. And the other thing, too, is that you got to think about that. Let's talk about that for a second. What if Ohio State, you know, they put them on administrative leave, but what if they do just say, look, Urban, you're gone. Boom, you're toast, right? What are the legal ramifications? How can he, can he turn around and conversely sue the school? Are there clauses in their contract that, you know, give them a, a legal out, so to speak, so that he doesn't have a grounds to sue them for unlawful termination or defamation of character and all these different things. All these questions that me here sitting at the bar smoking a cigarette, you know, I don't know the answers to these. I mean, I know that doing my research that they're, they could fire him perhaps for lying about it, you know, to the media. They may be able to have a clause in his contract that says we, we can fire you because you've painted the the uh, institution in a negative light by your lack of integrity or something to that effect, you know, um, how do you know, did they, did they damage, you know, did they damage the reputation of the school? And then, you know, conversely, 
Did Urban Meyer damage Mrs. Smith's reputation by saying, and I quote, when when asked about the story of her abuse, you know, he was quoted as saying, I don't know who makes up a story like that. That could be, you know, character damage, character assassination, whatever the term is. She might be able to sue him and saying, you know, you made me look bad. You portrayed me as a liar. And then if that's the case, now she's being victimized again because she's got all her proof. I'll give her that much credit. She has refuted everything that her husband had counter uh, accusations he's made with not only photographs, screenshots, text messages, but court records, police records, and the whole nine. So needless to say, it's it's a very messy situation. It doesn't look like there's going to be any real easy solution or resolution to the, you know, the, the thing, to the different issues here that are at stake and the accusations, you know, and then last but not least, you know, what happens? What happens to Urban Meyer? Probably one of the greatest college football coaches ever. He's built this legacy of winning national championships, and everywhere he goes, he just wins. You know, I know that the Michigan Wolverines would not be too upset if Urban Meyer went packing, but, you know, now his character, for right or wrong, you know, is being compared to Joe Paterno. You know, Joe Paterno was let go, and people are trying to compare the two, and they're both horrific incidents, but, you know, in my mind, my humble two cents is I don't know how you can compare a systematic system of just covering up rape and molestation for years and years to, you know, one incident of domestic violence that may or may not have been covered up, you know? So again, this is, there's no easy, there's no easy solution to this. And, you know, we'll see, we'll learn a lot about the institution. We'll learn a lot about Urban Meyer. We're going to learn a lot about Ohio State fans as this whole thing plays out. Right now we're looking at per Ohio State. They said this investigation should take no more than two weeks. So <clears throat> that'll put us the end of next week. So right around the middle of August, we should start having some type of resolution for this or some type of update. Needless to say, we'll keep discussing it here. Uh, when the episode comes out, let me know what your thoughts are. Message the show. You know, tell me, like I said, am I full of shit? You, what, do you, what do you agree? And again, I like I said, I would be very interested to see if Ohio State takes the high road and defends morality and integrity and condemns domestic violence, or do they put all their chips in a slap on the wrist kind of situation and keep the machine going? And, you know, what do they do they stand by their man, so to speak? So hopefully, Urban, we will get an answer about you soon. Um, And for you Ohio State fans, as long as you beat Michigan, that's all you got to worry about, okay? All this other stuff will work itself out, and at the end of the day, that's what's really important, is raising good men, having an ethical institution, and not advocating for the victimization of women or any subgroup or group of lesser people. Oh, that was a rough one, right? So let's talk about something else, right? So as shocking as that was... We had all kinds of other different shockers, if you will. Some amazing news coming out of the fight game. So for those of you that know me, know that I am a huge proponent of combat sports, specifically boxing. I'm kind of old. I do enjoy the UFC, but I'm a boxing guy. For all its, all its faults, all of its glory, everything, it's, it's like the, it's the ultimate human experience to me. The fight game itself is insanely flawed, but it's also amazing, and it provides us with one of the most purest, at times the most purest contests, you know, that there is. Man versus man, will, equally weight, equal size, equal strength, equal training. In a squared circle, nowhere to run, 
and it's just your will to win and your technique is what will carry you through and at the end of the day he who can conquer his opponent will be victorious right so that's why i love it and if you heard my first episode it's right back to those those old tribal instincts that we all started out with hunter gatherers trying to provide for their families and protect them against other warring tribes right so first, uh, the biggest news in the fight game, I think everybody will agree. Um, well, I'll save the biggest one. The next biggest one, Kovalev the Crusher. He went down. Good old Eleder Alvarez from Colombia was a 400-plus underdog coming in in this fight. And everybody was talking about Kovalev rebounding from his losses to Ward. This is him getting back on track to once again dominate. You know, Ward retired, so there was really Kovalev was still you know, viewed as the man to beat, and everybody had him, you know, winning this fight and just moving on, setting up another mega fight, and you know what, I like it, man, because uh, Mr. Alvarez didn't get the men- the memo, you know, this is a great fight, he came out in the first round and really kind of let Kovalev know, hey, I'm not here, I'm not, a, I'm not a stepping stool, you know, he surprised him with his technique and then he's a little bit of pop in his glove, you know, but, but Kovalev being a champion, he responded as well, too. You know, going into the seventh round when the knockout happened, Kovalev was up on all the scorecards. And Kovalev was looking like, you know, he had adapted his style to the point where, all right, maybe I can't come in and just walk over this chump and use my, you know, overhand left and my right hand to just dominate and take him out. But he was outthinking him. He was outboxing him. His technique, his strategy, everything was working. And then the poor bastard just caught a mean overhand right in the seventh and he was knocked down, and you know you could see it in his eyes. He never recovered. He ended up getting knocked down two more times in that same round, losing the decision on a TKO. And you know, Mr. Alvarez there was fired up, and rightfully so, because no one gave him a chance. Really, I mean, a few boxing people that know the sport, they uh, they kind of thought that maybe there was a chance that he could win, you know, points because he he might have been you know had better hand speed, but he had suffered a, a hand injury early in his career. And so he didn't have the power in his right hand that, that, you know, well, supposedly not. They didn't think he had it anymore. And so his power going into the fight was really not a concern for Kovalev. You know, he figured it out pretty quick in the first round that that right hand felt really good and that it was working. And ultimately, Kovalev now is, you know, kind of at a crossroads in his career. He's 35 years old. What do I do next? I just got my ass kicked in a fight I was winning. I mean, he clearly was winning the fight. It wasn't in doubt. So now, you know, his future plans, a mega fight, all that's up in the air. You know, is he even considered one of the pound-for-pound greats? If you look at his last few fights, I mean, you can say that, you know, they they were questionable. But you know what? He lost to Ward, man, fair and square, twice in a row. And Ward is one of the greatest fighters ever. So you can't really hold that against him. You know, you can't really say, oh, you're washed up. But then you follow it up with these last couple efforts. And, you know, you fight a nobody. Then you fight Alvarez. And... Now you're just left with any questions. 35 years old, where do I go next, you know? Um, I don't know. if I'm, I always watch the Crusher fight. If, he's gonna, if I know he's going to fight, that's always going to be an entertaining fight. Hopefully, if he does decide to fight, he'll only fight a couple more fights and, you know, not turn into that worn-out, punch-drunk fighter that where it's just, you know, like Tyson was at the end of his career where it just almost hurts your feelings to watch him fight knowing how great he once was. You know, and for Mr. Alvarez, good for you, sir. Way to write your own history. Don't listen to the naysayers. And, you know, now we're just wide open. Gotta, I can't wait to see what's next in this division. Uh, some other notable fights we're going to get into. Uh, in the fight that I call, really, who cares? Um, 
Birdo was able to beat Devin Alexander in a split decision. You know, kudos to Birdo. He got knocked down early, but he, he rallied. And, you know, he outpointed him, won a split decision. So I always liked him. He works hard. If you've never seen Birdo fight, he's a good fighter to watch, you know. Fundamentally sound. He's not flashy. He's not one of these a-holes running around flexing his cash and worried about everything else besides the sport. He uh, He's a true fighter. He's a true warrior. He fights because he loves to fight and uh, nothing else. So he won that one. And you know what? If Devin Alexander doesn't fight anymore, thank you, sir. I appreciate the good times, but those are far and few between now. So please go become a coach, start a fight school, something like that. But your days are your days are done, right? And also, um, Mikey Garcia, he came out and he uh, whooped up on uh, good old Robert Easter, which if you've ever seen Mikey Garcia fight, it's technically sound. It's not flashy. He just gets it done. His combos are crisp. His footwork is fundamentally sound. You could learn a lot. It's like watching a textbook. Basically, that's the best way I can describe it. If you want to learn to box, you should watch Mikey Garcia box. Everything he does is a good template for the sport, how it should be how it should be uh, executed in the ring. You want to talk about the sweet science, he should be your instructor. His, uh, his father is his trainer, former boxer, and they, they do things right there. And not only that, you know, Mikey Garcia is a good human being. He's a very humble fighter very commute you know very active in the community um even internationally he does things that you don't hear a lot about because he doesn't do it for the attention but you know he goes to third world countries he helps establish youth programs education programs he's active in the united states um if you are a parent and you're thinking about getting your son or your daughter in the, in the world of boxing you know he's a good role model He's a good role model for them, you know. And so he beat Robert Easter, which in itself was a great accomplishment. But that's not the real story. The real story is this guy wants to fight Errol Spence, right? In a day and age where the Floyd Mayweathers of the world are running around and ducking fighters in their prime and or, you know, scheduling fighters when they're old and decrepit or, you know, just not fighting people they should fight. You know, you got a kid like Mikey Garcia who is hungry. He's humble, and he wants to fight the best. And so after the fight, he called out Errol Spence. So if you you don't know this, Errol Spence is uh, two weight divisions up. So Mikey Garcia just unified four division titles. So boom, he's he's the man. I mean, he could stay where he is and just keep crushing everybody, but instead he goes looking for the next challenge. So that's always exciting to see a fighter do that. And, you know, Errol Spence, is he's undefeated, 24-0. He's got 21 KOs. He's in his prime. And, you know, this is it's almost like that saying, you know, he's poking the bear. This ain't some chump that's at the lowest, you know, level of that division that he wants to maybe say, oh, let me just try this weight, see if I can compete, maybe bag a couple low-level fighters and then go back down to where I'm comfortable. Now, he's he's going for it, and he's not a, he's not afraid to, to do it, you know? Um, you know. I mean, it's just an exciting time. Mikey Garcia is single-handedly bringing a lot of life back to boxing. You know, we got the whole <clears throat> Canelo and Triple G soap opera going on, which I think we can all agree. Who gives a shit at this point? Just hurry up and fight so we can get to the part where they're, one calls the other a cheater or the fight underwhelms, and then <clears throat> Golden Boy and, and Triple G's promoters can go ahead and say, oh, we need a third fight. We need a third fight. We're trying to sell a trilogy because they're just trying to make money. <clears throat> if I were you, I would save my pay-per-view con- money and... uh Put it all on Garcia when he fights Errol Spence. That'll be more than more than confident you will get your money's worth, right? And in heavyweight news, good old good old Ortiz, man, good old Cuban King Kong is his nickname. He was uh, was impressive in his first fight after the tenth round KO he suffered at the hands of uh, Deontay Wilder. He not he scored a second round KO, and 
you know, it's really nice to hear him in the post in the post fight and in the interviews leading up to it, where he describes his, you know, how he's handling the loss from um, from his previous loss there. He, you know, he regrets losing to Deontay. He had a chance to win that fight, and he's really kind of, you know, just admitting, hey, man, I had him on the ropes. I in the seventh round, I could have taken him, but he laid off, and now he's dealing with the consequences. So, you know, it'd be nice to see him continue his winning. Hopefully we can see him and Wilder in a ring again soon, you know, and I hope Wilder continues to win as well because that would be great for the heavyweight division. Their first fight was amazing, and as long as Wilder keeps rolling, I mean, why not see him do it again? And hopefully then there will be a couple extra belts on the on the line as well. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about, okay, so this was the biggest. This was the absolute biggest story of the week. Um and I don't. I want to know how you feel about this because I don't know how I feel about it, right? But um, good old Conor McGregor, that that fucking guy, right? So he's coming back. He's going to be fighting Khabib. You know, it's been announced from the UFC and Dana White. And you know, I, I'm really kind of conflicted on this because the more I, I go down this road, it seems like the more I start investing into UFC and mixed martial arts, the more and more I'm starting to feel like it's the WWE, man. So, for those of you that don't know, apparently one of Connor's friends got into a scuffle with Khabib and his crew. Connor felt like it was a, it was kind of a chicken shit, you know, kind of a gangland kind of attack or whatever, you know, where yo your homeboys jump my boy, man. So now we gotta retaliate, which manifested itself in Connor McGregor flying from Ireland to New York and <clears throat> raising a bunch of hell like soccer hooligans throwing a hand truck or a dolly, whatever you want to call it, through bus windows and having people get injured, people were, fights were canceled from the upcoming pay-per-view because of it, and, you know, Connor went straight thug, you know, he went thug life on that ass, and as you probably know, he faced some charges, you know, he's probably going to get some civil suits, whatever, you know, there was a, a lot of negative outcomes, and plus, you know, he just came off that McGregor fight, he's stupid rich, so a lot of people were starting to question him, whether or not he'd ever get in the octagon again if his fighting days in UFC were over. And, you know, rightfully so, man. I mean, just made $100 million. And, you know, it wasn't an MMA fight. So it wasn't like he got in there and, you know, with Nate Diaz and took a fucking ass whooping or went five solid rounds with somebody, you know, dodging takedowns, leg kicks, and striking. You know, they put on gloves and they boxed it out. And, you know, he did all right for a while. And, you know, inevitably he lost to Floyd Mayweather. But it wasn't like he got his ass kicked, you know. So you get $100 million for a night's work. It, it's natural. I mean, you're talking about a guy who at one point in time was on welfare when he started fighting. You know, a plumber by trade. But now he you know, he starts his fighting. He met the right woman. She she supported him in his endeavors. And now all of a sudden he's got $100 bucks plus, you know, whatever he made in the UFC. You know, I don't know if all of a sudden getting hit in the face is is worth it, you know. I mean, unless your next payday is $150 million, why do you want to go through that? You know, so people started questioning his heart and his drive, you know, and I don't blame him either way. If, if he had never fought again, I wouldn't have cared. I would have been like, yep, you know, what a great story. And the, you finally got to the point in your life where you have enough money, you can put it in the bank, live off that compound interest. Your grandkids can live off the money you made, and you don't need to get your ass whooped anymore. Just live your life. Spend time with your wife and your kids, whatever, right? But instead, he got himself into a little bit of trouble, you know, and if you've been reading about him, he's been getting in all kinds of trouble, even with like the Irish mob and stuff, so he's 
he's a wild man, you know, and God bless him. I guess that's probably another reason why I like him so much. But, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go out here on a limb, 100 percent speculation. I've got no facts, no figures to back up this opinion of mine. But I got to think, man, Dana White's a crafty son of a bitch. So who's to say that Connor was never going to fight again? And if that's the, the case, UFC, who's already struggling a little bit with fans and ratings and things like that, they need a mega fight. They need something because as impressive as Daniel Cormier is, nobody, you know, he's not Connor. He's not John Bones Jones. He's not fucking Brock Lesnar. There's a reason that they were trying to get Brock to fight him because they need the ratings. They need the, the, the buzz, right? And this is a great way to do it. You know, you're Dana. You say, hey, look, man, I'll talk to all the dudes. I'll help you get all these civil suits, you know, settled for all these guys that missed their fights. And I'll help you. We'll get the UFC lawyers to get to the state of New York and so and so. So I, I could see Dana just flexing that billion dollar company and helping Connor get out of a bunch of trouble. You agree, you know, do a couple fights, you know, fight this Khabib kid. I get my mega fight, which by all accounts is looking like it probably could be the greatest like pay-per-view bout in the UFC history. So it could be the highest paid fight. I mean, so much that Nate Diaz is pissed off about it and threatening to walk out because he wants his moment in the sun. And you know what? Before you start calling Nate Diaz a, a pussy or a crybaby, it's working because instead of talking about Khabib and McGregor, all of a sudden now everybody's talking about Nate saying, I'm, I'm walking out. So he's his marketing campaign is working. He's generating buzz. And if you're Dana White, you got to love this because now you're back in the front page. You're back in the headlines. People are talking about you. There's buzz. And, you know, and this is going to be a mega fight. This goes down. It's going to be mega. And if you're the UFC, that's what you need right now. Even bad press is good press because with all the Ronda Rousey's leaving, all the Brock Lesnar talk, you know, you're really starting to alienate part of your fan base because people are starting to accuse you of being the WWE. You got all these weird storylines, these people trashing buses, you know, people from your organization leaving to go to the UFC. Rumors are rampant that you're about to sign a deal with the WWE. So you really do need something to recapture those fans. And, you know, boxing's at the point now where they're starting to figure it out. Hey, we took our eye off the prize. They're promoting a bunch of young, hungry fighters. They're taking super fights. They're guys like Mikey Garcia are calling out quality opponents and not ducking people. So, you know what? It's your it's your turn, UFC. Time to pony up. You know, time to call. Let's see what you got, right? But anyway, I'm looking forward to that fight. And I hope everybody else is looking forward to it. Um, I don't think there's going to be a big media thing like they did with, uh, you know, Floyd Mayweather. I think at this point, Dana's going to try and do a little damage control and try to sell the event based on the fight alone. And again, trying to combat that whole WWE vibe that's going on, you know. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, though, um, crazy week in sports. Crazy week, you know. So we gotta we gotta keep this conversation going. I'm gonna keep my ears and not you know eyes and ears out. Get you updates on all this. Um, next show, you know, we gotta talk about football, right? Um, you know, technically it already started with that Hall of Fame game, and I would say that the biggest the biggest story coming out of there is RG three looked good. Looked healthy, looked strong. It's going to make things interesting in Baltimore, you know, especially if Joe Flacco doesn't perform very well. You know, uh, where do we where, where, where do we go here for RG3, you know? Um, that's a story in itself. Is he finally healthy? Does he finally have the right situation? Has he learned from his time in Cleveland? Holy shit, right? And then, 
you know, Cleveland, <laughs> they're already a shit show. If you haven't been watching Hard Knocks, I guarantee you take a look because they're already starting off to a bad foot. So hope to hear from you guys. Write the show. Thank you again to Fallen 360 Productions for giving me this platform and this outlet. If you guys are in the Phoenix area, stop by. Even if you're just on a layover, go hit that Sushi Sonora. And if you are in Havasu, hit up Rowdy Rod. He'll hook you up, man. Uh, For the rest of you guys, keep watching sports. Hit me up. Let me know what you want to talk about. I look forward to talking to you about some really big things coming up. And as soon as football gets going, I promise you this, we will have one episode entirely dedicated to Philly fans. It's something that drives me crazy every year. It's a social issue at this point. It's a movement. They need to be stopped. And, you know, hopefully we can come to an agreement, you guys and me together, and we can figure out how to end the scourge that is Philadelphia fan. And you already know that they're going to be even worse this year because of their big win last year. So I look forward to talking to you about that. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Be safe. And see you soon. Peace.